Hi, this is Liv. Welcome back to The Shit Women Can't Say. This week, we're going to dive into some mental health stuff. As you know, I feel it is one of the best things we can do for each other, sharing our mental health journeys because there's such a stigma surrounding mental health. Still, still in this day and age, we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid of what other people think about it. We're afraid to think we might need support. And it's it's so important to me that we fight against the stigma to offer support to those that need help like I did at one point. I've learned how important it is to share your story, how healing and how literally life-saving it can be to connect and to understand mental health struggles. And that feeling, me too, and hearing me too, is one of the best things that someone either seeking to understand mental health or someone struggling with mental health can hear or say, right? So being able to connect and understand is the hugest tool in supporting those we love. Trigger warning, this is always a difficult conversation to have, and I do share some very personal details in my story, but we, uh, we're going to be brave. We're going to do this together, okay? So let's dive in. Hi, welcome. So today we're going to talk about more than just a shattered pickle jar. <laughs> I'll explain more about that later. <laughs> um, I want to dive into my journey with depression. Um, well, basically, I could just want to start by saying, you know, I was never a person that thought I had mental health issues. You know, I had regular emotions just like everybody else you know ups and downs good days bad days and never really had any difficulty managing that um you know had had plenty of successes in my life and plenty of you know kind of letdowns disappointments just <laughs> bad decision making whatever all those things right by the time my depression diagnosis came around I was kind of, let's see, early 30s. And prior to that, you know, I had been married once before and divorced and no major fallout issues from that. I was young enough, no super ties um, to anything and didn't have children at that point. So that was kind of a clean break. Enjoyed um, my 20s, uh, you know, having fun with the girls, that kind of thing, um, dating, whatever, all that kind of fun, you know, getting comfortable in my career as an early childhood educator, all of that stuff was just peachy. And <clears throat> at the time, my diagnosis had come around. Oh, I think what people don't understand when it comes to this type of issue is that it's not usually just one thing. It's a compounding of little things that it's like, yeah, you know, I could, I should be able to manage that. I should be able to manage that. You know, then one more little thing happens. Okay. Yeah. It's just that it's just, you know, something small. This isn't a big deal. And you just kind of keep suppressing and, you know, soldiering on as we do. And what happened with me, I think, was just a compounding of a number of things that happened in my life that were stressors and trauma, quite frankly. Let's talk about trauma for just a second. A lot of people think that trauma 
you usually associate that with some kind of like physical harm, some type of abuse, um, you know, major, you know, medical mishaps, issues, sickness, you know, that kind of stuff. And people don't generally think of some things as trauma, such as saying goodbye or changing your career, just switching your career, having to say goodbye to something, having to move out of an apartment or moving on um, a relationship, especially a long-term one, ending. And depending on how that ends, it can be very traumatic. And I think prior to my diagnosis, all of those things were not something that I ever would have described as trauma. But it really is. It is traumatic. And I don't think I was allowing myself to feel things that way. And I honestly just don't think I allowed myself to go there because it was just survival, right? So happening at that time, I had been in a long-term relationship, was living with a guy, and that person was the person that I thought was, you know, going to be it. And I really wanted them to be it. You know, everything kind of clicked in that relationship, um, or so I thought, (laughs) and um, clicked with the family, you know, everyone got along so great, it just kind of felt so natural, and everything ticked along just wonderfully, right? And then, and then it didn't. Um, And the big bomb that kind of got dropped there was that that person was essentially living another life. They suddenly, about three years into our relationship, confessed to having an affair for the entire length of our relationship. And not just having an affair, but having that affair in my home, in my bed. And it literally shattered my life. And... I stayed and I wanted to work it out. I wanted to give things a go. I still loved him. I thought, you know, with therapy, with some support, you know, and support of our family, like we could, we could get through it. That's how committed I was. And in and around that time as well, I was working full time. I had gone back to school because working as an ECE, (laughs) let me tell you, it does not, um, it doesn't pay well. (laughs) It just simply doesn't pay well. And um, as a single person before I met that man, you know, living on my own, it just wasn't cutting it, wasn't making ends meet. So I had gone back to school and signed up for an online program that was like a postgraduate thing um, on top of my ECE, my early childhood education Uh, diploma. And so my plan was to venture into behavior therapy for children with special needs. And so a very kind of intensive type of work. And um, 
can be very kind of mentally and emotionally draining, but I absolutely loved it. And I loved the science behind um, applied behavior analysis and, you know, behavior change and being able to support families through that type of um, challenge in their life was something I was just super passionate about, super excited about. And so I was working full time while doing my online courses. So that in and of itself for anyone is enough of a load. And then when my schooling was done, I thought, okay, you know, I was with the company that I I loved. Um, I was being paid better than when I started my schooling. So, I mean, that piece had changed, you know, had benefits and, you know, a long-term permanent position and better pay and all of that. But I still kept up with my schooling because I was like, you know, got to give this a a full go, right? I signed on to do this. I want to see it through. I want to see what this is really like. And so all of that decision-making and change and all of that happened, you know, before this relationship bomb blew up. And so I was already, you know, going to be leaving my job and delving into entrepreneurship. Basically, I was going to be self-employed. My income was changing drastically. And by that, I mean dropping. (laughs) And like we had had all these conversations about, you know, what was happening in my career and how he was going to support through it. And then I would get to a place where, you know, wouldn't need that support anymore and then could contribute contribute evenly to our, our life together. All that jazz, you know, super great plan. Wonderful, right? And then this fucking bomb gets dropped. Well, <laughs> I soldiered on. And for about six months after that revelation, um, right before Christmas... And we'll talk about why that's important. <laughs> that in that detail is important after the fact. But I stayed for six months to try and work out that relationship and finally hit the point where I knew it just was not going to be what I needed moving forward. Um, that person was not as invested as I was and finally hit the point where I knew I deserved and needed better. So I ended the relationship. I left. I was, you know, a couple of months into this new uh, work venture. I moved out on my own, found my own place. You know, I had the, uh, the support of my family and my best friend, you know, helping me get moved and settled and all of that kind of stuff. And I just remember going through that whole move in basically a fog. And I remember like my older sister helping us move, helping me move and you know, she's like, where do you want to put this? And where do you want to put that? And just asking me simple questions like that. I was just so overwhelmed with everything that like, I couldn't even answer those simple questions. Like, it's kind of how much of a like, just a self preservation mode I was in, and did not realize that at the time, like, this is all, of course, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I now am aware of what some of my coping mechanisms were back then. And, um, and yeah, and how sometimes our coping mechanisms really, you know, don't end up serving us. Um, and it didn't in, in the end for me. So, you know, add this huge change for me, moving, the relationship ending, huge change in my finances, becoming an entrepreneur. I had no clue how to manage that. Um, it was very challenging to kind of maintain a caseload of clients, and 
to be doing, you know, one-on-one therapy with children severely affected by autism, many of them nonverbals. I'd be spending my day with children, you know, who were nonverbal and who, you know, sometimes had some very serious behaviors and things like that, that, you know, that's what I was immersed in all day. And I mean, I loved the job, but um, it's not an easy profession to choose. And so at one point, I was home one night and I was trying to open a jar of pickles and I could not get the jar open, you know, trying so, so hard, so, so hard, and it slipped out of my hands, and this fucking jar of pickles shattered like nothing I have ever seen before. (laughs) All over my kitchen, into my living room, into my bathroom, like, oh, if you know about, you know, a jar shattering and glass shattering especially, you know those pieces find a way to go everywhere. And I was standing in my kitchen and I looked over at this shard of glass, a bigger one that was sitting there, and I looked at it and I just thought to myself, yeah, that'll do. It still brings me to tears, um, which amazes me. And not, not tears of, you know, what I was going through then, but tears of empathy for myself and for anybody who has had that moment. And also a little bit of grateful tears that in that moment I was able to stop not move I did not touch that piece of glass I knew in that moment thank God that I needed help that everything I was doing all the knowledge I had around mental health which (laughs) oddly enough (laughs) the um the mother of the man that I was dating was a um, huge mental health advocate, most wonderful woman, super knowledgeable, um, had done a lot of work in the field, that kind of thing. And so and we'd always had conversations around mental health and absolutely adored her. And she was almost a kind of a, like a mentor that, I, you know, in that way that I didn't know, you know, just all this knowledge that was shared over our time together. Um, I had enough information and enough understanding and enough wherewithal in that moment that I didn't act on the thought of picking up that piece of glass. And again, I am so thankful and grateful because I know that I'm one of the lucky ones. And I was able to just pull myself away, sit down, and I immediately just started looking up resources. I live in Durham region. I immediately started just Googling, you know, who who do I call? Where do I go? Because I really didn't even know that. 
And what ended up happening was I got through to the um, Durham Region crisis hotline. And I spoke to somebody and they explained, you know, that they didn't offer kind of immediate whatever I was needing, but they recommended that I go through the hospital. Because being an entrepreneur at the time, knowing I would probably need medication, all of that, um, I couldn't afford therapy. I could not afford medication. So thankfully in that conversation with the crisis hotline, that recommendation to go through the hospital was really my only option to access resources that would be free covered through OHIP and so that's what I did I grabbed my purse grabbed my shit and I went through the ER and basically walked in and went to the triage nurse and said I'm having a really hard time I need help I just had thoughts of taking my life I really I need help I need to talk to someone and that's what happened I talked to a social worker and basically spilled every freaking detail of my life up until that point <laughs> and in doing that I guess hearing enough information from me they recognized that yeah I would absolutely need some assistance and so they contacted a psychiatrist who came down and sat in the room with me and I shared my story again and that night I got medication and I got an appointment for my first therapy session with that psychiatrist and I got set up with free therapy with a social worker that could start kind of ASAP and that's the night my life changed and turned around and started moving forward and I am grateful every day that I just, I had the wherewithal in that moment, because good Lord, when I have had moments since, I have not had moments where I'm wanting to end my life, but I still have moments where I just have an extreme discomfort and I just want to get away from it it's almost like this feeling I describe it as like feeling like I need to just take off my skin like there is something you know that if I could just kind of peel off my skin it would be you know I'd have this relief that's what it feels like for me now when I have a really low moment um and for me back in that first moment It wasn't that I wanted to end my life. It was that I just didn't want to be here 
I just wanted to be anywhere but here. Because it just felt so hard. And I felt like every decision I had made, every choice, every step had been the wrong one. And I didn't know how to change that. I just didn't want to be here. Didn't actually really want to end my life. I would think of my family and my friends, like in those, you know, like in that moment in particular. I, you know, I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that to the people that I love. I don't want them to feel that. And I knew that I'd, you know, I had people who loved me. And, you know, I had supports and all that kind of stuff. But man, those fucking feelings. Holy. (laughs) In the midst of all that, you know, before getting help, like the feelings that I had, like even physically, I was clenched all the time. Like my jaws would like it would hurt from being clenched so much and I'd have moments where I'd realize it all of a sudden like oh my god like why am I I'm so clenched like Jesus relax (laughs) unfurl a little good lord woman you know like I was clenched so much you know grinding my teeth and I just had this underlying feeling of anger all the time I was so angry about everything that had happened and again like everything even my choices my decisions you know the things that were in my my control I was just so unhappy with all of it and I just had this continuous feeling of tears always just bubbling at the surface like it is such a weird strange thing that you know you can have these physical manifestations of what's happening in your brain and you know leading up to that moment in the kitchen I had mornings (laughs) where I would lie there in bed staring at my alarm clock going girl you gotta you gotta get up you gotta get you're gonna be late you gotta get up and I could not physically move And, oh, you know, and then I'd feel so disappointed in myself if I called, you know, called in, canceled appointments or, you know, just couldn't make that day work. You know, oh, I was so disappointed in myself. And that's the cycle. You have these feelings. You feel guilty for having those feelings. You feel disappointment in yourself because, you know, you see everybody else. Everybody's got bad days. You logically can rationalize, oh, this is normal. This is okay. This is just a phase. This is just a something. You're watching everybody else around you. Everybody's got this going on and they seem to be able to pull through it. Why can't I? It's crazy. The freaking games and the fucking lies that your brain will tell you. And if you don't learn the tools to shut that shit down, you can imagine what a scary tunnel that is to go through. You can imagine where your brain 
can take you if you don't have the means, the knowledge, the support, the tools to get yourself through that. And this is where medication and therapy come in. So, you know, people, you know, oh, I don't want to medicate. Oh, I don't, shouldn't need that. Oh, I just need to exercise. Oh, I just need to this. I just need to that. I just need to get outside. I just need to move my body. Oh, you know, and people just making comments to you too. Like, oh, come on, you know, just shake it off. Oh, your life is so good though. You know, look, you've got this, this and that, and and all this stuff. And, you know, the things people say, you know, they mean well. They're trying to help. But honestly, like, that's the kicker. Is that you know all that shit. You know exactly what you're supposed to do. But you physically can't. If you take anything away from this episode today, please understand that. Someone who is struggling in the depths of depression or a bipolar low or a, you know, anxiety, all of that, any of that stuff, someone who's struggling in the depths of their diagnosis, they can't. And then it's really kind of abstract, I know, but please believe me, they just can't. And so... Thankfully, I did not have a stigma around medication. I was willing to do what it took to get myself back. And so I started on a medication and thankfully did not have any crazy side effects from it and felt the positive effects within two weeks. Some stuff, even days, felt better, but definitely within two weeks, I could breathe again. I could smile again and laugh and I could want to get outside I could want to get up and shower and nourish my body properly and go have some fun with a friend or any of that like that is what medication does medication helps to even out the chemical imbalance and yes that is exactly what a lot of mental health things are. They are a chemical imbalance, a physiological whatnot happening in the brain. And yeah, I was, that's what it does. It gets your brain back to neutral so that then you can function. And then therapy usually comes after that because again, therapy first like you don't want to you physically often cannot pull yourself out of bed to get yourself ready to go to a fucking therapy appointment if you can't get up to go fucking brush your teeth how the hell are you gonna get out the fucking door to go meet with a stranger to pour your fucking guts out not happening (laughs) so yeah typically for treatment medication comes first and then The therapy comes because you then are at that neutral place where you can physically speak about what's going on, what thoughts are in your brain, how to recognize things, how to develop coping mechanisms, you know, how to 
stop yourself in those moments where your brain starts to kind of run away on you again and to shut it down and take the small steps forward that you need to take to move forward in a better way, right? To take action in those little steps every single day, right? To get you back into the functioning parts of yourself and then back into the parts of you that were just lost in all that, in all that shit happening in your brain, in all the trauma, in all the mental and emotional damage that happens. C'est la vie. But it gets you back to the part of yourself that you thought was gone. So, (sighs) yeah, that pickle jar, man. It's more than just a shattered pickle jar. (laughs) Thankfully, those medications worked for me and worked fairly quickly. A lot of people don't have it that easy. They have, you know, some mean side effects. Um, You kind of feel a little bit like a science experiment, you know, where something you try doesn't work or it gives you some weird side effects. So then, you know, you've got to switch it, but there's all sorts of finicky stuff that goes on with finding the right medications and, you know, giving your body the chance to adjust and then seeing what it's really like. And then if you need to adjust it again, there's, you know, if you're doing things safely and properly, those medications are not something to be messed around with, man. You're messing with the chemicals in your body. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And you know what? Maybe part of the stigma is that, that fear that you're messing with the chemicals inside and that's scary but with a good doctor who listens and you know if you can speak up for yourself be honest about how you're really feeling about things you know then you can really move forward you really can it's possible and the people around you that's an important thing too. Thankfully at the time, you know, I had my family, but my family were not um, physically close, like geographically close. But my best friend actually went to her employee assistance program through work. And she sought out resources and help and said, you know, here I have this friend who's going through this. I don't know how to help. How do I help? And she did the things and you know checking in on me getting me out of the house you know even if it was just for a drive and a cup of tea like didn't have to be huge but just having somebody there who you know loved me enough to kind of take it upon herself to take this on too you know and yeah do your research people like if you are supporting somebody with mental health there are things it's all over social media you can find the information what to do what not to do what to say what not to say (laughs) this is not just a bad day this is not you know something that can just be cured with exercise and you know a tub of ice cream (laughs) but yeah that is that was my 
journey to diagnosis. And thankfully, it wasn't too, too much longer after all that that my wonderful hubby came into my life and was patient and understanding about my issues. And when I got pregnant and had to go off my medications, like he kept a good eye on me. And then we found a wonderful GP when our daughter was born and he was knowledgeable on postpartum depression and the issues surrounding that and very aware of my journey and my medication I had been on um, and of the fact that I was not on my medication during my pregnancy because that was dangerous for the baby. And thankfully through pregnancy, I was um, like all the pregnancy hormones and whatnot were enough to keep me uneven keel. I was, you know, happy, wonderful pregnancy and even stayed off the medication probably I want to say definitely by the time Mia was six months we were at a doctor's appointment and the doctor looked at me and he was like you know how are you doing and I was like oh you know I'm, yeah, I'm good I'm okay you know like sleep deprived exhausted mother <laughs> a new mom first baby all that shit oh my god but he turned to my husband and looked him dead in the eye and was like how's she doing and Paul just looked at him and he turned back to me and he said my wife you know he was they had just had a new baby as well so and not their first and was very knowledgeable on this postpartum stuff and he said my wife describes it as standing in the middle of a crowded room screaming your lungs out and nobody hears you and I started to cry and he was like okay time to go back on your meds I said yep sign me up and again like almost instantly huge change for me and I'm grateful that I did not have that stigma around medication because good god it felt fucking awful. Awful. And I don't know how somebody fights through that. Those feelings and like the physical manifestations of, you know, of the illness. Like it's just, it's crazy. And I knew I didn't want to feel crazy. <laughs> and thankfully I didn't have that stigma. So like I... Yeah, what, like, do what's going to help. And hopefully, you know, medication doesn't have to be a forever thing. It really doesn't. But even for myself, I am okay if it does have to be. If that's what has to be for myself to be a healthy, happy, functioning wife, mother, friend, daughter colleague then I am totally okay with medication being a part of my life and I totally <laughs> know the value oh just a couple of years ago I think it was just before this wonderful panty <laughs> um I tried to go off medication again because 
in talking with my doctor, she said, you know, she had questions about why I was on um, this medication that I was on. And I had been on the same one for those years. And she said, you know, yeah, typically, like, you know, that medication is given to, you know, a certain type of patients. She's like, tell me about, like, what were the initial reasons you went on it? What were the things going on? So I told her, and she's like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, yeah, that's a lot of stressors and trauma and all of that. Okay, yep. Yeah. Did you have any physical injuries? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> so, you know what? Like, I'd been on this medication. That was not a question I knew to ask. So this is where doing your research and advocating for each other. This is why I share this information, because that little tidbit of information was something that might have been helpful at some point. <laughs> and she said, okay, so with your life, all those things you described to me, those stressors, those traumas, are any of those things still present? And I said, no, they're not. And she was like, okay, like, are you open to changing your medication then and giving something else a try? Um, she'd found that this specific medication she was going to recommend was, you know, more helpful for women. And, um, yeah. And would probably be a better fit. And I was like, okay, yeah. Well, weaning off my first medication. Oh, and then getting onto something new. A little bit tricky, but short-lived. Like the kind of weird sensations, a little bit of like the withdrawal symptoms and then adjusting to a new medication, thankfully. A um, little bit of weird feelings and stuff like that, but nothing that was, um, nothing that wasn't manageable. So we did that. And I think at some point in there, I was actually off my meds for about six weeks. And that was all I could take between, oh, like, again, just knowing, okay, something's, you know, with the my chemical makeup now. Yep, that's something that is necessary for me. And I am so okay with that. And I know a lot of people aren't. And whatever you choose to do, whether you choose to do medication or not, I just want people to know that having the conversations are the important piece. Discussing this stuff. Be honest with the people that love you and that are checking in on you. You know, even just the regular day-to-day. -day. We, like, why do we do this? Where it's just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you know what? Nobody is, oh, I'm fine. Every fucking day. Why do we feel like we need to say that all the time? We feel so guilty and so shameful around putting out a simple, oh, you know what? Struggling a little bit today, but mm, but I'm doing okay, thanks. Or, you know, got some heavy shit going on right now, but it'll be all right. Working through it. Like, why is that so fucking hard to say? Why is that so embarrassing to people? It boggles my brain now, especially. And I have zero interest in, like, the just, oh, you're running by, hey, how's it going? Well, you're not going to get into your fucking life story then. But, like, I have no interest in hiding and being ashamed and being embarrassed about life. <laughs> Life is not fucking rainbows and butterflies and fucking fairy dust glitter shit sprinkled everywhere all the time. 
It's just not. And there's nothing wrong with that. And again, the connections and the warmth that can be created in sharing our stories, sharing our journeys, sharing our trauma, like the connections and the healing that happen when you share the true bits of yourself are so immense. They're so beautiful. And that's the beautiful part of being human. We are complex feeling beings. And that is the beauty of being human. You can fucking talk about this stuff. You can empathize, sympathize, support each other. So I hope you found this a little helpful today. Again, thank you for listening. I so appreciate you being here. And if you found any of this helpful or knowledgeable or just anything was sparked in you, please feel free to share, like, screenshot the episode, post it, tag me. Honestly, let's let's get rid of the stigma, the shame, the guilt around sharing this part of ourselves, around sharing this part of our journey. And even if you're not the person suffering with this type of stuff, you know how amazing it is for somebody who's struggling to have someone say to them, oh, hey, I heard, you know, something about this. And I just want you to know I'm here if you ever need me. That could make all the difference for somebody. So... Take care of each other. Until next time, thank you.